the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Bruce Hooley Show, hour number two. I am not that happy about the temperatures going back down. I really enjoyed the beautiful weekend. Had a great time at the Trump rally. You can find uh, my speech on our Facebook page, The Hooley Show. Appreciate all of those who uh, gave me uh, affirmation afterward, including my my friends from Olentangy, my group of Olentangy Tiger Moms. They are engaged in the Olentangy district, unfortunately. Uh, the district as a whole, through no fault of these uh, patriots, made some egregiously bad choices last year in the school board election. But we'll get that fixed. We'll get that fixed. Finished behind the uh, crowd doing all the stuff they wanted us to do after we had the initial speakers program, came back out, and there are my old and tangy tiger bombs right there by the stage. Uh, shouting me out, saying hello. So I really, really appreciated that. It was great to see them there at the Trump rally. But the weather now is not nearly as warm. And, you know, while I would like the weather to be warm, I do think that there's a correlation between the warm weather and a humongous uptick in crime over the weekend, murders in Columbus over the weekend. We had four people shot and killed in the city uh, between Saturday and Monday morning, two at a park. And I feel so bad for the people in the Hilltop and Linden, uh, these areas where these things happen far too often. And we've got some really great people in those areas of town who are doing what they hope will diminish the problem. I don't know if it'll fix the issue because I think it's an issue driven by drugs and gangs. And while it is extremely noble and courageous and courageous, to take to the streets wearing uh, bright orange garb to identify you as a part of a movement to reduce gun violence, murders. See, See, this is how wokeness creeps into your language. You hear it in enough headlines, you start to say it. I just said a nonsense term, gun violence. Guns aren't violent. People are violent. Criminals are violent. Murderers are violent. Guns aren't. So I apologize for succumbing momentarily to uh, leftist nonsense. Terry Davis is one of the activists in the Linden area. And she says, you know, if Andrew Ginther said this, I would mock him for it because he's ensconced behind his walled, gated community with his security guards playing golf three times a week. And it sounds empty when he says it. But when this this fine lady says it, it's it's from the heart. She says this has to stop. It's going to be a collaborative effort of everybody to finally put an end to this senseless there and she's falls into it too senseless gun violence 
But you got to feel for her when she says, I want my grandchildren to live in a safe area where they feel safe and go out and play, go to the park and play without fear of being shot. Listen, I grew up in a rural area of Ohio, but and I was a big sports fan as a kid. And I remember watching the Lyndon McKinley, I think it's the Panthers, that is the Panthers, play on uh, television in the high school state tournaments. Jim Clemens, Todd Penn. And there was such pride in the Linden community in those teams. And I've spoken at Linden McKinley High School at an FCA meeting. And I feel really, really bad that what could be a thriving inner city community, it's now run by gangs. It just is. And we had two shootings at city parks this past weekend. Somebody killed in both shootings dredges up the memories of last summer when we had just Olivia Kurtz killed at the Bicentennial Park, Mackenzie Ridley killed on the east side. Beautiful young women. Now, I noticed something yesterday. I was trying to discern who these people were who were shot and killed over the weekend, and none of, none of the news reports listed their race. None of them. I don't have a study to prove this, but it's my contention that when the victim is white, they report that the victim is white. But when the victim is black, they don't report that the victim is black. So today I have a picture from the Channel 6 website of one of the victims, Masonique Saunders. She's about 21 years old, 20 years old, excuse me, fatally shot Saturday night at Saunders Park, just south of 670 and Taylor Avenue. She's African-American. And my assumption is all these victims are African-American. And if you report that they're African-American, well, who does that make look bad? Oh, it makes our mayor look bad. Oh, it makes our city law director look bad. Oh, it makes our police chief look bad and our safety director look bad. And they don't like looking bad. And so I'm of the opinion that when news outlets report the race of the victim as a black victim, They get a phone call or they get a conversation or they get guidance told, why did you, why would you report that? Don't report that. Because of course, if people in the black community in Columbus start to really put together the fact that their communities are violent hellscapes because, well, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Oh, look at this. Oh, we have a story in the Columbus Dispatch Day that's going to explain why our inner city neighborhoods are so terrible. And wouldn't you know, they cite the opinion, the irrefutable opinion, of our esteemed Mayor Andrew Ginther, who declared, of course, gun violence, because that's a nonsense term, a public health crisis. Two months ago, he said this. Eric Legata of the Dispatch writes, A number of people falling ill to the then novel Corona-19 virus ticked up. So did the number of people becoming victims to gun violence in cities big and small across the United States. Oh, is that why people started to get murdered, Eric Legata? Now, let me see here. Is that when it happened? When COVID hit? Or might it have been something else that triggered... Were people rioting over COVID? 
I don't recall that people were rioting over COVID. I don't believe that Black Lives Matter came out of their houses rioting over COVID. I don't believe Antifa came out of its pit rioting over COVID. Why did murders in the United States of America tick up in the summer of 2020 and continue to escalate in 2021? Oh, right. George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, Streets of Minneapolis, another transformative event that the left could use to demonstrate that black youth were being hunted, that was LeBron James' word, hunted by police officers. And so we got mayors all across the country like Andrew Ginther picking on police, marginalizing police, demonizing police, questioning their authority, reining them in. We've got a federal judge right here in Columbus, Algernon Marbley, who in a federal court ruling said, oh, the Columbus police, why? It wasn't the rioters in the city of Columbus who caused damage. It was the police inciting the rioters. Everything was fine. They were peacefully breaking windows downtown at businesses. They were peacefully defying police orders to cease and desist and disperse. They were doing all that peacefully, probably singing Kumbaya as they went, until the police said, hey, you got to get off the streets. You're impeding traffic. You're a health hazard to yourself and others. And then that's what really caused the riot. That's according to federal judge Algernon Marbley who, while a trustee at Ohio State University, broke the law. Shocker, right? So, this is the phony excuse they put up, that people were desperate because of COVID, and they were hopeless, and they were cooped up, and they just wigged out and just went out and killed somebody. It wasn't because people in power said that cops were always wrong and that cops were always hunting black people, putting minorities in our inner cities on edge, thus bringing about the very problem that now they try to explain away with COVID. So I find all this amusing in the explanatory sense. I find all of it depressing in the actual real life sense because the deaths that we had over the weekend, 20-year-old, 19-year-old, These are people who should be in the prime of their life, but they're mixed up in circumstances or victimized by circumstances, including the 13-year-old girl on the west side on Sunday who was shot in a drive-by shooting. I mean, these kinds of things should not be real possible events in the life of someone who is not old enough to buy an alcoholic beverage. But it is unfortunately all too real in Columbus because of the failed leadership of our city. And that starts at the top of the police department, heads to the law department, the service safety department, and it rests finally and uh, irrevocably in the mayor's office. It is small consolation, but uh, uh, Columbus is not the uh, only violent city in the state of Ohio. And to my point earlier that it's nonsensical to use the term gun violence because there would be violence if people are desperate, hopeless. There would be violence even if there weren't guns. That's the left's position. Oh, let's get rid of the guns. 
Well, that won't work. I take you to Toledo, Ohio, Friday. Man at a restaurant heads into the bathroom to use the urinal. An unknown female enters behind him and stabbed him twice. The 41-year-old assailant fled the restaurant, but the guy was able to uh, get himself together, shall we say, follow her outside, get her license plate. The cops tracked her to her apartment building 10 minutes away. She was arrested and arraigned and has a uh, hearing scheduled for later today. And they say, well, that's a weird crime that goes under uh, strange but true, but it's not really indicative of anything. Really? A similar stabbing occurred several weeks ago, according to the Toledo Police Department. Late last month, another Toledo woman was arrested for stabbing her male roommate. In January, a Toledo mother was arrested for stabbing her two children. Shortly after that incident, another Toledo man allegedly stabbed and killed his girlfriend, live-in girlfriend. According to the latest crime data from the FBI, the vast majority of Toledo's violent crimes are either committed using personal weapons or knives and cutting instruments. So it's a fad, I guess, in Toledo. My guess is, for some reason, Toledo police or the authorities in that area have done a good job of tamping down the gang activity as it relates to guns. But if you're going to do bad things, you're going to find a way to do bad things. So this is why I don't buy the argument that it is gun violence. No, it's a violence by whatever means can be put together to get the violence done. Now, the White House is taking justifiably considerable criticism over the con- over the completely unsympathetic, unempathetic, empty words of White House PR flack Jen Psaki yesterday. She was asked about the death of Texas National Guardsman Bishop Evans. Bishop Evans is the young man, the young black man, who dove into the Rio Grande on Friday to save two illegal immigrants, females, who were fleeing. And then they got in the river and they started drowning and they started yelling for help. So Bishop Evans took off his vest, put his cell phone down, unencumbered himself of his equipment as best he could, and he dove into the Rio Grande and attempted to save the women. And in so doing, he did save the women, or the women were saved, let's put it that way, but he was not. He went under the currents and drowned and lost his life. Now, he fits some of the intersectional profile that the White House prizes. He is a young black man. Ha <laughs> But, but, he's a young black man in the military who died in a way that calls attention to the lawlessness of the Biden administration on the border. And so, it was hard for Jen Psaki to even talk about the death, the heroic death, the sacrificial death. Greater love hath no man than he would lay down his life for his brother. Saki, it was all she could do to grudgingly 
get out a few words that, well, you judge for yourself whether they came off like she really cares anything at all about the death of Bishop Evans. Well, I, I, of course, we are mourning the, the loss of his life, and we are grateful for the work of every National Guardsman. I would note that the National Guard work for the states, and so he is an employee of the Texas, Texas National Guard, and his efforts and his operation were directed by there, not by the federal government. Greg Abbott's fault. Basically, that's what she's saying. See, it's Greg Abbott's fault that he died because she would advocate for the fact that the Texas National Guard shouldn't even be on the border. They shouldn't even be trying to retard the invasion of our country by soon 18,000 migrants per day. Bishop Evans was not doing noble work on the border. Bishop Evans was doing, what, Satan's work on the border? According to Joe Biden, he's trying to keep illegal immigrants out of our country. That'll teach you. That'll teach you, Texas National Guardsmen, to try to keep people out of our country who want to come in so that we can get them to vote Democrat because we'll give them a bunch of free stuff and threaten them if they don't vote Democrat. The evil Republicans will come in and that will do them harm by making them work. Uh, Bishop Evans was eulogized eloquently by his grandmother, Joanne Johnson. Bishop has always been a caring, loving child. It was just something he could not see someone in need or hurting and not help. Even if he didn't have it, he would help you get it. So this young man died a hero trying to save someone else's life. He died a hero by giving up his own personal time to serve his state. So many people serve in the National Guard because it is an avenue for them to get an education or to get a better position in life. So Bishop Evans could have been hanging around on a street corner, selling drugs, doing something like that. Instead, no. He was doing something that I believe would have set him up for a better life ahead. And tragically, in the course of that, he lost his life. And now these women who the reports are, they're involved in drug trafficking. They're fine. And no doubt they'll be given, oh, they'll be given an ankle monitor and they'll be told, better show up here in nine months. And I'm sure we'll see them again. I'm sure they'll answer for their illegal acts that led to the death of Bishop Evans. Really, really awful what Jen Psaki said and what she didn't say. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.